Hello and welcome to Nobody Meets Somebody, the podcast where two comedians who are currently nobody meet somebody who is famous. My name is Mary Picarazzi. And I'm Tanvir Arora. And today's guest, we got to speak with the awesome Jesse Kellerman. He's an American novelist and playwright. He's the author of the popular Clay Edison novels, which I am a huge fan of. I'm so excited for this interview. Me too. I haven't read any of his books, but <laughs> but I heard a lot from you. And I'm super excited to talk to this guy. All right. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk with Jesse. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, we are super, super excited. Uh, I'm going to control myself. I'm going to try to. Uh, as always, I have my questions in my handy-dandy sparkly hat. Tenvir, what do you got? I used to have the Pyrex cup. Not anymore. I Just a piece <laughs> of paper now. Why? Why don't you want us to get sponsorship? You had a, uh, you had a Pyrex cup? I had, I had a Pyrex cup. We, we normally have a Pyrex cup because we're trying to uh, get a Pyrex sponsorship. I was gonna. I was gonna say that's a good sponsorship to have. That's really good. Thank you. See, I'll bring it you. back. I'll bring it back next Our time. First question of the day: sure. What is your favorite exercise? What my favorite exercise? Wow! Oh, you just opened a huge can of worms there. Massive, <laughs> massive. Because uh, I, because I'm like a fi a fitness ju junkie. So, so my favorite exercise is the deadlift. I love the deadlift. Wow. Um, and my back, as I get older, it's not my back's favorite exercise, but, <laughs> but, it's, but it still remains my favorite exercise. What is the heaviest you've ever done? The heaviest deadlift I've ever done is 575 pounds. Wow. I did that for a for an online competition last year. And then um, about a week later, I injured my back and I couldn't deadlift for, for, for four months, but it was worth it for the glory. It was worth it for that one shining moment of glory. You said you ride with your dad. How does that work? Like working with a family member, usually 90% of the cases is a no, no, but, and especially with your dad, how's, how's the equation? How's so before you answer, just so, the, so our viewers know, because we started recording when we had that conversation. Um, so you work with your dad, your dad's obviously Jonathan Kellerman, phenomenal author, du jour, my hero. Um, and you guys have a great series together, the Clay Edison series. So how does that process work? So, so I, I will say that um, one of the things that allows me to feel comfortable writing with him is that prior to beginning to collaborate with him, I had a career of my own. I was writing standalone novels. I wrote five standalone novels before we ever decided to collaborate. Um, and I think that sort of gave me the confidence to feel like I was a, entering this partnership as, as an equal, as a peer, rather than as an apprentice. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, you know, in terms of feeling like we're on an equal footing, look, obviously, obviously he's my dad and, and that dynamic never goes away. Right? Yeah. He's, always, he's always my dad, <laughs> right? I will say that, that, that in, the, in the process of, of, of working together, he's revealed himself to be re like really egoless. He does not, he doesn't, I mean, the man's written 40 bestsellers like he could very easily like just press the veto anytime he disagreed with something i said or override me and he does not do that we we talk um as 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 true partners um and i give him all the credit in the world for that i mean i think part of that is because the guys had 40 bestsellers he doesn't have a lot to prove so like so like you know it's not a power struggle is not you know who, who needs that um um one thing that uh, i think is really important to our continuing uh, you know, ability to collaborate at, and still get along is that we recognize that the relationship predates 
and will post-date the collaboration. So we'll be collab, you know, we started collaborating, we wrote two books, these sort of like sort of weird fantasy detective novels called the Golem series. And then we've done, um, the fourth Cleodicin is actually coming out this summer. And we've got three more under contract. So it'll be nine, nine books in like 12 years by the time that contract ends. Um, but even then, in the grand scheme of things, it's a relatively so small size, slice of my life, and it's an even smaller slice of his. And so, you know, I think we're careful. It's not that we are, aren't afraid to sort of push each other, but we're careful um, in, in how we, you know, in what battles we choose to fight. And I think probably it makes us more receptive to the other person because, you know, I'm always, you know, I think a lot of artistic partnerships, you know, you're coming to the table, like you're coming to war, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I'm gonna get my, right? And my successful collaboration, and that's how, probably how I used to be when I was a young writer. Now, and he's not my only collaborator, I have another friend who I collaborate with. I, and and that guy is also an established writer. And um, I, I come to the table with this sort of like sense of excitement and joy, like, Wow, what are they? What are they going to do? It's like working with great jazz musicians. You don't just sit there and wait for your solo. If you're if you're in the music, you're listening to what the other people are doing and you're responding to them, and it's an organic process. Um, you know, we don't always get a you know get to the same exact conclusion. Our strengths are different as writers. Mm -hmm. He's much more sort of loose and spontaneous. I'm super anal and like organized. Like I, I bullet point everything, and he's just like just loosen up. He's like, oh, he's trying to get me to loosen up. But that's helpful, you know, because his his spontaneity balances my neuroticism and my need for and my need for order sort of like can corral him when he's, you know, sort of going off off the path. So, you know, we play we play to our strengths in 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 that respect. Does it mean that I want to only write with him for the rest of my life? Of course not. You know, I I do miss having you know sort of the the, the total control that I that I had when I was writing standalones, and I and I will get back to them someday. It's just we're under contract right now, so yeah. <laughs> Legally, I have to do this, Dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, but it's interesting though because like you you meant obviously Dad and Son, you have that already have that dynamic. But you know, growing up, we always think of we have an idea of what our parents are right when they have mm -hmm. us how how has been writing with him explored or basically opened up an idea of how he was before he had you like his individual self that's a great question no one's ever asked me that question um that's that no that's seriously that's a great question so i i'll say that there have been two experiences that have really opened me up to my dad as a human being as opposed to my dad as a dad the writing aspect of it for for sure because there you see sort of like I'm sensitive to how his personality emerges in, in subtle ways. And it's sort of like, it's a little bit of a key to his unconscious. And there's things that I can probably perceive about the books that not everybody else can perceive. Cause I can, I have like the key, which is mm -hmm. like this long, many years of exposure to what his personality is. So he'll, if he'll make a joke, right. Then no one's going to get, but I'm like, <laughs> Oh, he's referring to that, 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 that thing. So it's, it's opened me up to my, that's opened me up to my dad as, um, you know, I think especially when you've had as much success as he has, he he looks like a brand almost. You know what I mean, yeah. as opposed to a human being, right? In yeah. in the in the way in the way that you know, like re, like real, real, real visible celebrities, like they're not. They cease to be people in a certain in a certain sense. They just become who they their their exterior. And so you know that that that's been a, a revealing part of the writing process. Becoming a father has been much much more. Um, it has put me much more deeply in touch though, even more than the writing with with sort of like who he was at my age. 
I look back and I think, cause we had our first kids at almost exactly the same age. And um, I, I, the, I'll tell you the first thing I did when my son came home from the hospital is I called my dad and I said, I'm so sorry for everything I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, so, and so it's made me aware, aware of his, uh, you know, like what it was like for him to be juggling this stuff as, as a young guy and the frailty and the anxiety and the, and the humanity of not that he would ever necessarily ad admit this because he's still going to be, you know, my yeah. dad for me. But, um, you know, in the, in the same way that I don't like put my anxiety on my kids, that's not their job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I, now I, down the road when they're older. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously some people do, but I think my dad is, it's, it's, it's almost the opposite. Like he, he does not want us to, he doesn't like to, you know, to feel like he's leaning on us at, mm. at, at, at all. Um, and so, you know, that experience of, of, of being a new father and feeling very like uncertain and very vulnerable, that, that sort of key, I, like everything clicked. I was like, oh, he, he's gone through this too. So all right, next question, uh, your biggest pet peeve. Oh boy. That's uh, every scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, let's see. My biggest pet peeve. Uh, okay, I'm not, I won't call it a pet peeve. What I'm going to call it is I. I think a thing that I feel is missing in the world today is a a lack of curiosity and a fear of ideas that are that that make you uncomfortable. I think that like I I believe it's really important to expose yourself to ideas that are different from the ones you already have. It doesn't mean that you automatically sell out everything you believe every time a new idea comes along. But the fear of the idea that an idea is damaging um, or threatening somehow, I, I find disturbing. Um, you know, I think, so I was raised in, um, you know, in a sort of observant Jewish tradition. And I studied a lot of Talmud growing up. And if you're not familiar with what the Talmud is, the Talmud, it's, it's like they, it's like a giant book of Jewish laws, mm. um, but that doesn't really describe it very, uh, very well because there's a lot of other stuff in there. There's stories and um, there's there's like recipes. It's, it's all sorts of weird stuff in there. To start, and what? Yeah, exactly. And one of the core principles of sort of like that kind of um, that kind of study and in intellectual uh, universe is that you can have two ideas exist that contradict but they're both still true mm. right and that and that's a, i think that's a really important thing for people to to sort of res, wrestle with um and so i guess the increasing uh increasingly siloed nature of conversation particularly on social media really yeah. really bothers good question uh what is something you can't live without Obviously, we're presuming your family's already a family given. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, oxy yeah. Oxy yes. oxygen and you love everybody. Those. I got it. Yeah, so. uh, all of those things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how you said oxygen. Nice. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of it. Let's <laughs> see. Okay. What is like so like a like a material object? I can't I can't live without. Or, or can it be like a thing? Like I would say, it's like a con. It'd be music. I like I love music. Yeah. That would be I, like when I was in. When I was in second grade, I think, I had a teacher ask us, I don't know why she chose to ask this, but she said, she actually pulled the class, would you rather be blind or deaf? <laughs> what? This, this really happened. I swear to God, this really, this really happened. 
this really happened. And I know, right? Can you imagine? So I was in second grade. So it must have been like 1985 or something like that. Um, and and everybody said um, deaf except me. I was the only person who, who I, I would give up my eyesight and still be able to hear, both because music is so important to me and because language is, is, is so important to me. Like, um, you know, and, and so like, that's sort of like, I think writers, there's like, you've got like visual writers and you've got mm -hmm. audio writers, you know, does that, is that like a co coherent concept? Like, like there's some ways you're reading them and you, and you can, and you can see that they're like, that they're just taking a, a they're doing a painting in words. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. For, for, Right, and so for but for me, it's about the rhythm of the sentences, and it's about how those things move, and and so all of that stuff is very important to me. So, so I would say music as as an abstraction, it's like a core thing. I would say, what can I, I what can I not live without? Probably my weights. I love my weights. <laughs> <laughs> you say visual writer. Is your dad a visual writer? I, I, I his, actually, his, his yes. descriptions are so much. It's like it's really looking at a picture. Yeah. So I would. I think that's you. You hit it on the head. He was a. He was a painter he, he is a painter he he, he was a, trained okay. as a cartoon cartoonist he drew a daily cartoon for the for the Bruin when he was at UCLA he drew five cartoons a week five five times a week he had to come up with a cartoon and he still paints and I can't paint or draw at all I mean I like I can appreciate um but that's not sort of my modality of interacting with the world that's you know Mary you've you've, you've given me an insight here this is another way in which sort of like our, our styles fit together that is different about us so 100 different yeah okay, well, here's I some random question Okay. What is the most ridiculous thing someone has convinced you to do? <laughs> have children? What is the most ridiculous thing someone has someone has convinced me to do? Uh, let's see. We've all done something stupid with some. No, I, I, I no, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble deciding um, which one. <laughs> yeah, probably the dumbest thing I ever did was like. I don't think my parents know this. So um, when I was like right after I got my license, so I drove, a, I had a Volvo station wagon. That was the car that I that, that I drove with my mom's Volvo station wagon. And I went out with my friend and we were sober, um, but we were on the freeway in LA and he kept like egging me on to go faster and faster and faster. And I think I was going down the 405 at 130 miles an hour wow. at, <laughs> at night, at night. <laughs> You know, it's the kind of thing you you like. You're you're yeah. 16 and a half years old. And you're like, oh, this is this seems really <laughs> fun. This seems like a great great idea. So that was that was the definitely the stupidest thing I. I, I <laughs> and I remember the car started to vibrate and shake. Because well, it's said, yeah, because well, it was a Volvo, 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 and it was like, because like, yeah, because it was like yelling at me in Swedish, like, we don't do this. <laughs> this is not what we, what we are made for. You know? So. Um, <laughs> So that was definitely dumb. Um, let's see. You might, you might get grounded now, just so you know. I know, I know. If your parents watch this, you might get grounded now, right? Retroactively. Uh, the, the most ridiculous, the most ridiculous thing I I, uh, I I was ever convinced to do was move to San Diego. My wife, my wife, uh, she she went to do her medical uh, her medical training there, and. Uh, we were like, yeah, this seems like a great idea. Let's move to San Diego. And after five and a half years of San Diego, I was like in a semi comatose state. And so that that that's definitely up there. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There we go. Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> we went from we went from something super like crazy to like, yeah. oh, but I moved to a place that I was mad about. <laughs> because well, here okay, but here's why. Because when you grow up in Los Angeles, 
you have this idea. I don't know where, where either of you are originally from, but if you if, if you grew up in San California, you have this idea that San Diego is a hip town, right? Mm-hmm. And and so when my wife wanted to move there, I was I was like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go there. I'm gonna give San Diego a fresh start. I'm gonna look at it with you know, completely <laughs> blank, blank slate. And after five minutes, I was like, get me out of this fucking hip town. <laughs> I think that's um, such a California thing you just said. Yeah. Saying San Diego is a hip town. Um, I'm from Texas and I can show you a hip town and it is not San Diego. It does not have the biggest aquarium in the world, by the way. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is Anchorman is a documentary. Anchorman is not, <laughs> is not a feature film. It is a documentary. I can show you plenty of towns that have more cows than people. <laughs> my sister, my sister lives in Texas, so I'm, I'm really actually like she lives in Austin, which I don't know if that counts. Yeah, but okay. She, she's been counts. there for like, yeah, she's been there for five years. So, so oh, my nice. only ex- my only experience of Texas has been on book tour. I landed. I remember I went to Houston uh, one year, and I have terrible allergies. And I went, and Houston, I guess, has like really, really you know, explosive pollen count in this in the spring. And so I went to do this reading, and on book tour, so the, the classic book tour experience is you go in and there's like three people and one of them is asleep. And if that's, and that's what this was like. So it was the mystery store in Houston and the, the people who run the store were, were absolutely lovely. And I think it was like, a, it was a big crowd. It was like eight people. And so one was asleep, <laughs> and one was asleep. And I got up there and, I get, and my allergies just hit me. So I'm trying to read and oh, like man. tears and snot, <laughs> like every orifice in my face is, <laughs> It's, it's like spinning and it was humiliating. <laughs> and like, also, it was a small room. So I'm like, right. In the most ridiculous thing someone has convinced you to do. Have <laughs> <laughs> children? Uh, what is the most ridiculous thing someone has, someone has convinced me to do? Uh, let's see. We've all done something stupid with some. No, I've, I, I, no, I'm having trouble. This, I'm having trouble deciding <laughs> which um, one. <laughs> yeah, probably the dumbest thing I ever did was like, I don't think my parents know this. So, um, when I was like right after I got my license, so I drove a, I had a Volvo station wagon. That was the car that I that, that I drove with my mom's Volvo station wagon, and I went out with my friend, and we were sober, um, but we were on the freeway in LA. And he kept like egging me on to go faster and faster and faster and, fa- and I think I was going down the 405 at 130 miles an hour wow. at, <laughs> at night. At night, you know, it's the kind of thing you you like. You're you're yeah. 16 and a half years old. And you're like, oh, this is this seems really <laughs> fun. This seems like a great great idea. So that was that was the, definitely the stupidest thing I. I, I and I remember the car started to vibrate. And shake. Because well, oh, yeah, it's a Volvo, 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 and it was Volvo. like, it was like, yeah, because it was like yelling at me in Swedish, like, we don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what we, not what we, what we are made for. You know? So, um, so that was definitely dumb. Um, let's see. Ridiculous. You might, you might get grounded now. Just so you know. I know, I know. If your parents watch this, you might get grounded now, retroactively. The most ridiculous, the most ridiculous thing I I uh, I, I was ever convinced to do was move to San Diego. My wife, my wife, uh, she she went to do her medical uh, her medical training there, and uh, we were like, yeah, this seems like a great idea. Let's move to San Diego. And after five and a half years of San Diego, I was like in a semi comatose state and so that that that's definitely up there uh i don't know yeah i don't know there we go 
Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. We went from we went from something super like crazy to like, yeah. oh, but I moved to a place that I was mad about. <laughs> because well here okay, but here's why. Because when you grow up in Los Angeles, you have this idea. I don't know where, where either of you are originally from, but if you if if you grow up in Southern California, you have this idea that San Diego is a hip town, right? Mm -hmm. And and so when my wife wanted to move there, I was I was like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go there. I'm gonna give San Diego a uh, fresh start. I'm going to look at it with, you know, completely <laughs> blank, blank slate. And after five minutes, I was like, get me out of the fucking hip town. <laughs> I think that's um, such a California thing you just said. Yeah. Saying San Diego is a hip town. Um, I'm from Texas and I can show you a hip town and it is not San Diego. <laughs> it does not have the biggest aquarium in the world, by the way. <laughs> look, all I'm saying is Anchorman is a documentary. Anchorman is not, <laughs> is not a feature film. It is a documentary. I can show you plenty of towns that have more cows than people. My sister, my sister lives in Texas, so I'm, I'm really actually like she lives in Austin, which I don't know if that counts. Yeah, but okay. She, she's been counts. there for like yeah, she's been there for five years. So so oh, my nice. only ex, my only experience of Texas has been on book tour. I landed. I remember I went to Houston uh, one year, and I have terrible allergies. And I went and Houston, I guess, has like really really you know, explosive pollen count in the, in the spring. And so I went to do this reading and on book tour. So the, the classic book tour experience is you go in and there's like three people and one of them is asleep. And it, that's, and that's what it was like. So it was the mystery store in Houston and the, the people around the store were, were absolutely lovely. And I think it was like, a, it was a big crowd. It was like eight people. And so one was asleep, <laughs> it, one was asleep. And I got up there and I get, and my allergies just hit me. So I'm trying to read. And oh, like man. tears and snot, <laughs> and like every orifice in my face is, is, is like spitting. And it was humiliating. <laughs> and like, also, it was a small room. So I'm like right in oh, front of these people. Like, and I'm groping for tissues and I'm like mopping my face. What is the one thing that you're looking forward to do? Well, obviously, I like to travel. Like, I haven't gone anywhere at, at, at right. all. Um, I would I would love to. So now that I am vaccinated, my parents I I think I mentioned my parents were here over the weekend. I gave my mom a, my parents a hug for the first time in a year. Um, I have not. I have three sisters and I'm very close with them, and I have not given any of them a hug in like a year and a half. Okay. It's been a it's a, so that would that would be nice. I I I had a nephew who I didn't meet for a long time. I've, I've met him now. Um, but you know, I, I, I think that actually for me, it's like just because my job is so solitary, mm -hmm. it's it's really important for my mental health to get out and like go to a store and buy a thing and like look at a person <laughs> and, right. and you know, look at their actual face <laughs> and say, Hi, how are you? Because those obviously you miss the big things. Right. But those small sort of crumbs of human interaction are like really important to the health of your soul, I, I, I think. And they've definitely they've definitely been missing uh, right. for, for, for me. So it's it's all it's all the big things that everybody's missing. But it's also just like this little stuff, because otherwise the only people I'm talking to are imaginary. And it's just it gets really, really depressing after a while. <laughs> Right. You forget, like, like it's like being being a like a normal functioning human being is is a skill that atrophies if you don't make if you don't make use of it. You know, we're comedians. We're fully aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> so you said travel. What, what what's your like? Uh, what vacation or what city or what country are you looking forward to travel? 
Um, so, you know, be, with little kids, we, so my wife and I did a lot of like sort of the big far away trips before we had right. children, which was right. a good decision on our, we did our honeymoon in Southeast Asia. Uh, one of the places we went to was Burma, which mm -hmm. was, which, it, you know, I know it's, it, things are very unstable there now, but it was, this was before it had opened up at all. Um, and, you know, and there was no cell phone contact. There was right. no, we were totally unprepared for when we got there. Like, what 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 it was like just the feeling of being in a country that was like you know essentially locked down and people having to whisper um when they wanted to talk about things that were important to them that was a big sh like shock right. especially as an as an american there's wow why can't i say this i can say whatever i want like, fuck up. Like, you know, so, so that was that was so so that was that was an eye open you know and i think travel is extremely salutary we um we went to india a few uh a few years after that um we did where'd not. Where did you go in India before he asked? Where did you go in where, India? Where did I go? We, I just we, kept it to myself. I was like, I'll ask him later. <laughs> I know you're going to ask. Every, every person who brings up India, I'm like, where did he go? So I was like, no, this time I wouldn't ask. I would not. <laughs> I stayed with Got my family. It. So I, 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 I was, uh, <laughs> we were in, uh, we started off in Mumbai. Uh, we were, we were, we were, is that where, is that where you're from? Yeah. Yeah, Mumbai is intense. Mumbai is intense. It is <laughs> super intense. I I loved I loved India, it, but it is, it is it is like not a place for the faint of heart, especially no. you know. <laughs> you, you live on the edge every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was amazing. So we were we were we were in Mumbai. We went to Ajanta Nalora. We went to Agra, right. Delhi, Udaipur, Jaipur, and Varanasi. Varanasi was wow. crazy. It Varanasi is. was like. That was also like, so, you know, also I come, so like, again, I come from a religious background. So like to be in this place where like, it's such like, everything is so intensely spiritual and so intensely, right. like there's no, nothing that doesn't mean something there. Yeah. Um, so it felt, even though it was very different, it felt familiar in a certain way because there's people live, living their lives sort of like, a, according to like this extremely, extremely specific set of guidelines. Right. Um, so that was an amazing trip. Um, we, and I went to Shanghai for research, um, and I and I went to um, Shan as well um, when I was in China. But that was just by myself. But we've never gotten a chance. We've never been to Japan. I would really like to go to Japan. Right. Um, I've never been to um, sort of like South South America. I've been like like down like Patagonia and stuff. Uh, I'd I'd like to go down there. I mean, and you know, anywhere. I, I've I've done Europe. Like I've been in Europe. I've done right. all that stuff. I don't have as uh, great an interest in Western Europe as I do in Eastern Europe. Like the places where, where my family comes from, all of like the old country, right. you know, like I, I, my mom and I have a deal that we're going to take this trip together, this like family history trip we're going to go. We're going to like make a list of all the places we're going to go like, oh, here they killed us here and here they killed us there. So my last question before we go into our lightning round is going to be, okay. if you weren't an author, what would you be? Uh, I would be a chef. For, that's Ooh. easy. I love oh. to cook. Nice. I love I love to cook. It's uh, you get to eat what you make, and, and <laughs> if, you're, if you're a chef, you probably don't get to eat what you make. But I get to eat what I make, um, and it's creative. Uh, it's one of my so my my two like primary hobbies are like lifting weights and cooking because uh, they're totally nonverbal. And cooking, I, I really like at the end of the day, I'm like I cannot do words anymore. Like that is it. So yeah. so to be able to do something that's creative but also nonverbal is is really helpful for me that's cool yeah. I, that's a very interesting uh, perspective i hadn't even thought about that i was like yeah it is nonverbal. What, what kind of food what kind of food do you like to cook i everything i mean i'm every, everything. i mean so so i have we have three kids 
and one is 11 and he'll eat anything. Like he'll eat spicy food, he'll eat anything. So I love to cook for him. And we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and they eat nothing at all. So <laughs> so I like, we have a rotation of like five things that I make all the time. And then occasionally my wife and the 11-year-old were like, we can't take this anymore and we'll break out and we'll, <laughs> we'll give the two youngest ones peanut butter sandwiches. That I'll make like you know uh, like you know spicy Korean rice bowls, or I'll you know or I'll make like you know um, what did I do? I love Moroccan food, um, so like you know like eggs with harissa or something like right. that. Um, but you know I I keep kosher, so I have sort of like a, a restricted uh, you know list of ingredients. Right. And one of the things that I one of the things that like is my mission is like push as hard against the boundaries as possible because I'm like I'm at heart, you know, I'm I'm like a, a you know a sensualist and I just want to eat as much as possible. <laughs> so. Nice. I think it's funny, you could tell you you did not grow up in a Mexican household because uh you all got the same food and then you just starve. So <laughs> <laughs> So you're a much nicer parent than I am because I'm like, I have one child and I'm like, oh, remember, this is what we're eating. And if you don't want it, you don't eat. <laughs> That's it. I bet. We try, I, I try, I didn't, didn't try it that well, but every dinner because became a hostage negotiation. And so I was, I was always just like, forget this. I can't do this anymore. Once okay, again, you're okay. a better person than I am because, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I just put the mom voice on and was like, we're not doing this. That's it. <laughs> Surprisingly, she eats everything now. It's amazing how that works. Well, that's the result. If you don't like cod, if you don't coddle this nonsense, like they'll they'll figure it out eventually. I just like I just don't have a, part, I don't have a But there's a part of you. But there's a part of you is like, oh, they're only going to be this age for such for such a small time. I'll just deal with it, and then then it just gets crazy when they're ten. And now well, my daughter, my... like, I would like some sushi, mom. I'm like, what the f <laughs> what? Yeah. So, so like, so like my youngest son, he just like, he has the, the loudest shrillest voice and he just does not give a shit about social convention. So if you give him, he's just like really, really <laughs> impolite when it comes to this kind of stuff. So like, so like if he doesn't want it, it's just this banshee scream of utter, utter despair. And it's like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to hear it. You know, like, okay. Okay, shut up. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go into the lightning round. These are going to be just four or five, maybe six questions because I can't count. Six questions. Okay. Uh, really quick, no thinking, okay. just quick answers, and we'll move to the next one. <laughs> We're going to be terrible on this. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you will fail. You'll be graded. So just so you know, uh, phone call okay. or text message? Text message. What is on your playlist right now, music playlist? Uh, Aaron... Uh, uh, Christ. Aaron Parks, jazz musician, jazz pianist. Favorite color? Purple. Worst food? <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm allergic to shellfish. Does that count? I'm allergic that to works. shellfish. Yeah, that's okay. a, that would be worse, yes. Uh, nice favorite all-time <laughs> all show? Favorite all The Wire, for sure. If you were on a desert island, what are three things that you would take with you? And we're not, not family. Okay, I'm taking my weights. Uh, I'm taking... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm taking assume a, family is what he meant. Assume family. <laughs> okay, I, I'm taking my weights. Uh, I'm taking a shitload of food. And I'm taking a helicopter so I can leave. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that was our lightning round. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I could, I could, I can send that helicopter who was uh, yeah, driving or whatever you call it, flying that helicopter. You're like, right. there's too much weights here. You need to put. You need to just, <laughs> you need to just drop down some weights, man. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can just see the plane going <laughs> down to the ocean. Oh, that would be the worst way. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, what happened? Yeah. Well, I wanted, to, I wanted to get really buff. <laughs> um, death, by, death by his own vanity. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, we definitely want to thank you for being on the show today. Thank we have you. one last question that we do ask every guest. So we definitely okay. want to make sure folks check you out on uh, Facebook. You can look you up on Jesse Kellerman as Jesse Kellerman rather. Uh, and your awesome website, which has all your up-to-date, uh, all your books that have been listed, the yes. five singles and the ones with your dad. Yes. Half Moon Bay, you can order now. So please take advantage of that. I will be waiting for my signed copy in the mail. Thank you very much. You um, <laughs> all right. Last question. When someone Googles you, what do you want your autocomplete to be? <laughs> what do I want to get? Um, Gosh. That was our most serious question. You just laughed at. That. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is that is that is that's like asking. That's the contemporary equivalent of asking what we what my what my epitaph to be, right? Um, <laughs> that's kind of where I was going with that question when I wrote it. But uh, yeah, yeah. got the cat out that's, of the bag on that one. It, it's like it's like a digit. It's like a digital epitaph. Um, it, yes. Let's see. Um, let's see. I'm going to say Jesse Kellerman, man of mystery. Nice. 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 <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was a fun one. Oh, uh, I actually thought so writers, authors, I thought he's going to be a little serious, you know, like, no, he was, he was super fun. He actually made more jokes than other comedians on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. And he has actually seen more of India than me, which blows my mind. But that's my bad. That is my bad. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was so such a fun. This was such an honor. I am I am really a huge fan. So if I fangirl, y'all can suck and deal with it. But uh, I am just thrilled. I love his books, and to actually be able to meet him and see how pretty much down to earth and cool he is was pretty awesome. So yes. this was fun. This was super cool. I hope you get the signed uh, copy of his new book. I put it out there. We'll see. Probably not, <laughs> but. I'll still pay my, my $20 to read his book. But uh, but anyway, that's our show today. We thank you so much for watching and listening. Please subscribe. And if you really, really liked us, please share us with your family, friends, and enemies. As always, I'm Mary Picarazzi. And I'm Tanvi Deroda.